Welcome to Hot Copy Radio Theater. You are about to hear a cast of very talented voice performers recreate a long-lost episode of Hot Copy, an exciting audio drama about the wild adventures of a young woman newspaper reporter, which was broadcast on the NBC radio network between 1941 and 1944. This recreation is adapted from the original script. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy. It's time for Hot Copy, the vivid drama behind the paragraphs of a daily newspaper column. Hot Copy is the absorbing story of a young newspaper woman, Anne Rogers, a clever, attractive girl with a nationally syndicated column, Second Glance, in which she uncovers many events which other, less courageous reporters would be afraid to touch. Her stories, in the words of her adventurous profession, are always Hot Copy. Now, listen to today's new and exciting episode, Illegal Tender, adapted from the original script as broadcast on radio on Sunday, April 9th, truck just to spend all morning, from dark to almost noon, walking, walking, and walking, carrying crates of milk and cream to practically every house and building in this neighborhood, till my back and feet are killing me. By the time I get back home, I need to look for another job. But in the meantime, I better get started walking. I expect to get a paycheck. What's that? Who's there? Hi, you. What are you hiding in those shadows for? What's the big idea? Hey! Hey, cut it out! Put that down! Don't! He was out cold, Annie? Frigid. Well, tell me the details. A young woman was leaving for work at about six this morning and found him unconscious in the front vestibule of our apartment building. She was so terrified she not only started screaming, she pressed every button on the directory. Oh, my Lord! She must have woken up everybody in the building. Unfortunately, yes. That's how I happened to get to work so early this morning. It was a genuine bedlam around there for a few minutes. All the tenants came downstairs to see what was the matter, of course, but I just happened to be the first to get there. 
I really got a fright for a moment when I saw him laying there in a pool of milk. You mean pool of blood, don't you, sugar? No, pool of milk. It was the milkman who was attacked. The milkman? Are you kidding me? No, darling. <laughs> but honestly, I shouldn't laugh over spilled milk, especially when my coffee cream was among the casualties. Why on earth would anyone want to attack a milkman? Money, honey. Money. Have you heard of it? You mean that green stuff I don't get paid enough of? Sure, I remember it. Dimly. But what has that got to do with it? Milkmen don't carry money around with them. Actually, they do, Sprightly, on collection day. First, they ride out to the end of the route, delivering. Then they come back, collecting along the way. Naturally, they start out with enough small bills to make change. So that's all it was? A simple hold-up? Was the man hurt bad? Well, no. That is, I don't think so. Well, for Pete's sake, make up your mind. Was he or wasn't he? Well... He seemed to think he was all right. He was a little dazed, of course, but he wouldn't let anyone do anything to help him. I offered to call Inspector Collins, but he wouldn't let me. Wouldn't let you? Why not? That's just it. He didn't really offer any explanation, just refused. It was almost as if he resented the suggestion. I thought it was odd at the time. Now I'm wondering if I should have insisted on him receiving medical attention. He may have been suffering from a milk concussion or something, and didn't realize what had happened or what he was doing. Yeah, maybe. <sighs> Golly, Sugar Plum, you get tangled up in the darndest things. If it ain't Nazi spies or creepy blackmailers, it's milk jockeys who get conked with their own bottles. <laughs> you really ought to write a column on A Day in the Life of Anne Rogers. Give your readers a taste of how you find your stories for second glance. Anne? Anne? Are you in there? Anne? That sounds like Inspector Collins. Yeah, I'll let him in. Come in, Flatfoot. Keep your badge on. Hello, Sprightly. Good morning, Anne. Come in, Inspector. Glad to see you. Then Weston did get in touch with you after all? Weston? Who's Weston? The milkman from my neighborhood. I was just telling Sprightly about finding him unconscious in the vestibule of our apartment this morning. Wait, what? Inspector, don't tell me you haven't heard about it. Some guy knocked out Ann's cowjuice salesman with a blackjack and laid him out stiffer than a Sunday collar. Then, when he woke up, he was minus all his shekels. Oh, just a hold-up then? No, I didn't hear anything about it. It'll probably be routed through the precinct. But if it isn't that... No, Anne, I've got something very important to talk to you about. That is, if you've got a few minutes? Of course, Inspector. Go right ahead. Wait, I'll get you a chair. There's one right outside the door. No, that's okay, Sprightly. I don't need a chair. I'll just sit over here on the edge of your desk. If I'm not in your way. Of course not. I was just doing a little bit of filing. I don't want to disturb you. Oh, you won't. I'll keep right on with it. Hand me my manicure kit, won't you, Annie? <laughs> Never a dull moment, Anne? No, 
not with Sprightly around. <laughs> but, Inspector, you were saying? Yes, Anne, I need your help. Be sure you get an I.O.U., Annie. Help, Inspector? Of course. But in what way? I want you to use Second Glance, your syndicated column, to help protect the public against a dirty racket that drives up the price of goods and services for the everyday citizen. You came to the right place, Bright Eyes. Annie has busted more rackets than a temperamental tennis player. <laughs> yes, I know that. That's why I'm here. Well, of course. I'll be glad to help in any way possible. But what is this racket? Well, Anne, it's... Wait, I won't try to tell you. I'll show you. But first... Uh-oh. What's the matter? I just remembered. I asked a friend of mine to go downstairs and buy me a Hershey bar. He'll be back in a minute, and I don't have a cent of change. Do you happen to have change for a dollar, Anne? Why, why, yes. I think so. Here's the dollar. Oh, that's all right. Wait, I'll get my purse. Oh, don't bother, Sweet Pea. I've got change right here. Ten, twenty-five, fifty, a dollar. Fine. Thanks a lot, Spritely. Well, now do you see what I mean? Huh? I'm afraid I don't understand either. You didn't even look at that dollar bill I offered you. Neither one of you. Uh, no. But why? Well, suppose you both look at it now. Take a close look. Uh, looks okay to me. Let me see, Sprightly. Oh, I see. It's counterfeit. Exactly, Anne. It's as phony as they come. Huh? Let me see that again. How did you know that, Annie? It looks all right to me. Feel it, Sprightly. Doesn't it feel sort of coarse and rough beneath your fingers? Why, why, yes, now that you mention it. Now look at your fingers. See the green ink? Well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. Hey, come back with my silver, Inspector. I'm not in the market for any scrap paper today. Okay, Sprightly. <laughs> I just wanted to drive home a point, and I did it. I asked for change for a dollar. I gave the dollar to both you and Anne. Then both of you were 100% willing to take it. Yeah, but we thought you were honest. Counterfeit dollar bills. So that's it? But isn't a dollar a rather trivial bill to fake, Inspector? I thought counterfeiters usually played for higher stakes. Twenties or tens, or at least fives. Oh no, Anne. That's the clever part of it. Counterfeiters are expert enough to know that people are generally on their toes where bigger bills are concerned, so they make a killing in the small brackets. Nobody ever looks twice at a dollar bill, or at coins for that matter. Counterfeiters have been known to create phony dimes and nickels, and there have even been counterfeit pennies. Counterfeit pennies? What on earth would anyone do with a counterfeit penny? Put it in a counterfeit gumball machine. Ugh, and do I have to put up with this? Cheer up, Inspector. You get used to it. After a while. <laughs> but seriously, Inspector, what do you want me to do? Expose this racket, Anne, in your column. The town is already flooded with these phony greenbacks. And if we don't nab these paper pushers really soon, the fakes will spread all over. You know how fast money travels. I know how quick my money travels. <laughs> so a lot of people have already been stuck with the phony stuff? Plenty. And are they burned up about it? But if most people can't tell the difference, Inspector, how do they know when they've been tricked? 
bankers can tell. And when their clients deposit fake currency, they notify them that the fraudulent amount has been deducted from their account. I see. But don't the banks themselves get stuck once in a while? Well, yes, but not as often as the ordinary guy or gal. Mean and me! Yes, and me too. In more ways than one. Because if it happens frequently enough, all sorts of businesses need to raise their prices to make up for the loss. Especially small shops, restaurants, mom-and-pop stores. The list goes on and on. Inspector, I'll be glad to cover this story in my column. But I think our first move should be to interview the head cashier at one of the banks so that we can learn all we can about counterfeit money. Good idea, Anne. How about Central Bank and Trust? It's the biggest bank in town. It's taken in a lot of this phony paper. Very well. Central Bank it is. Just as soon as I get my coat. Yes. Then he told us, Inspector, he had been robbed of every cent that he had on him. I can't imagine why the attack wasn't reported. Unless, perhaps, he suffered a head injury. Hmm. It is strange, Anne. Well, maybe we'll hear something about it later this afternoon. Oh, there's our man now. Mr. Thomas, hello! Yes? Oh. <laughs> it's you, Inspector Collins. Anything new on the, uh... No, not yet. In fact, that's exactly what we came to see you about. And this is Roger Thomas, the head cashier of Central Bank and Trust. Mr. Thomas, this is Miss Ann Rogers. Ann Rogers? Are you the newspaper columnist, Miss Rogers? If you mean second glance, the answer is yes. <laughs> and this is my assistant, Miss Poole. This is a pleasant surprise. Let's go to my private office and talk. Now, just a moment, and I'll let you through the gate. There we are. Now, this way, please. Look, Annie, isn't it ridiculous? What? The cages for the tellers. They ought to hang signs on the wall, do not feed or annoy the tellers. Oh, Sprightly, hush. Okay, I'll be a clam, but I still think... Here we are. Miss Rogers, come right in. Please, take a seat, everyone. Thank you. Miss Poole, Inspector, just make yourselves comfortable. Well, Inspector Collins, what can I do for you? It's about these counterfeit bills, Mr. Thomas. Oh, yes. A bad business, that. A very bad business. I've persuaded Miss Rogers to help us warn the public through her column. Good. Good. An excellent move, Inspector. But she wants to ask you a few questions. M me, me? She wants to ask me a few? But what, what can I... Oh, don't be alarmed, Mr. Thomas. It's not you that I'm after. Unless you're the counterfeiter, of course. <laughs> No, I just want your advice as to how to word my warning. As a banker, you've had a lot more experience than the rest of us. Well, now, I see what you mean, Miss Roger. I am. I, I didn't mean to sound reluctant to help. I'm not, in the least. But the bank has already suffered enough adverse publicity in this affair. I hope you won't find it necessary to... Uh, and call attention to the fact that we 
We too have been victimized. No, of course not. Honestly, the only thing I'm asking you for is a description of the various methods of recognizing those counterfeit bills versus the real ones. Gladly. If you'll excuse me a moment. Uh, hello, Miss Hendricks? Yes, Mr. Thomas? Bring me the photo enlargement showing the difference between the good bills and those counterfeit ones. Will you please? Yes, sir. Right away. But, uh... Excuse me, sir? Yes? What is it? The messenger is here for the Wilson laundry driver's money. Are the bags ready yet? Yes, they're in the teller's cage. Now, what about that photo, Miss Hendricks? Oh, yeah, yes, sir. I'll bring it right in, sir. You seem to be having a pretty busy day, Mr. Thomas. <laughs> Too busy. Well, now, let's see. Ah, yes, the counterfeit bills. As soon as Miss Hendricks brings those enlargements, you'll be able to see the major differences. Then there are noticeable errors in the fake bills, Mr. Thomas. Indeed, yes. There is no counterfeiter who can forge an exact duplicate of United States paper money. So, certain variations are bound to creep in. For example, as you will see in a moment, the face of George Washington in the counterfeit one has a, uh, a striking flaw. Washington is, well, quite cross-eyed. No kidding. Huh. Is that so? That's a good thing to know. Yes. And the serial number on the fakes is, of course, always identical. Really? Yes. Because they're all printed from the same plate. Will the photo include the phony serial number? Of course. Here you are, Mr. Thomas. The photo. Oh, thank you, Miss Hendricks. Give it to Inspector Collins, please. Inspector? Oh, are you Inspector Collins? Yes. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know you were here. Police headquarters called for you a few minutes ago. Really? I guess I'd better call them back. Here, Inspector. Use this phone. Thanks. Hello, Mike. This is Collins. Did somebody call me? Wait, what's that? You did? Good work. You caught him red-handed. Whoa. Yes, I see. Well, I'll be... Okay, yes. I'll be down in two shakes of a lamb's tail. So long. Something hot, Inspector? I'll say. And I guess we won't need your assistance after all. Really, Inspector? What happened? Plenty. They've just picked up the guy who's been shoveling those counterfeit dollar bills into the hands of the public. Caught the guy red-handed, with almost a hundred bucks worth of fake money in his pocket. We'll return to our story in just a minute. But first, a word from our sponsor. From Marky Witt's Audio Works comes a suspenseful tale of murder and redemption. Many years ago, I killed a man. His name was Fortunato. Based on the 1846 short story by Edgar Allan Poe, 
I am to take my leave for a previous engagement. I have received a pipe of what passes for Amontillado, and, well, I have my doubts. Let us go. Whither? Why to your faults? <laughs> How long have you had that cough? Oh, it is nothing. Proceed. Herein is the Amontillado. Hey! hey. <clears throat> Come now! Release me from these chains and... Stop that infernal racket! You have no idea the pain you have caused me. In pace requiescat. The Cask of Amontillado. Available now. And now, back to Hot Copy. A gang of counterfeiters has been flooding the city with fake $1 bills, and the police have just nabbed a suspect. This man is now being questioned by Inspector Collins, with newspaperwoman Ann Rogers standing nearby. But I tell you, Inspector, I know nothing about any counterfeit money. This is a gross miscarriage of justice. Now take it easy. We're not going to get anywhere if you fly off the handle. Let's start this from the beginning. Your name is? Struthers. John Struthers. John Struthers? Are you the artist? Why, yes, I do dabble in. You know this man, Anne? No, but I've seen some of his work. It's very good. Thanks. I don't suppose you'd want to buy a nice steel engraving for your drawing room, Lady Bountiful? Really, Mr. Struthers, I didn't. Steel engraving? That's your specialty? I... why... what's it to you? Sweet disposition. Eh, Annie? Yes, very. Struthers, I asked you a direct question. I expect an equally direct answer. But if you want to make things difficult... Very well, Inspector. Yes, I am an artist. I specialize in steel engravings and etchings. Very good ones, too, as the young lady was kind enough to point out. Unfortunately, there is little demand for exacting types of artistic creation in a world gone crazy over wild hodgepodge splashes of meaningless color. Okay, okay, that'll do. We're not here to discuss artistic trends. As I understand it, you entered the luncheonette of Mr. George Demipopoulos here and asked him to change a dollar, is that right? That is essentially correct. Yeah, that's the way it was, boss. He didn't order nothing, not even a cup of coffee. Not even donuts. Not even strawberry pie. He just asked me to change a dollar. And he gave you a counterfeit one dollar bill? That's right, boss. Only I knew it was a no goods. Because I already got stuck with some no good ones before. What a hog. Sprightly. Well, I don't care. He might at least have ordered a piece of strawberry pie. Well, Struthers? But I didn't know the bill was counterfeit. Okay. Maybe you didn't. But how about the other bills you were carrying in your pocket? When Demipopolis called the police, they found almost a hundred dollars on you. Well, I... I... Somebody must have. I... Where did you get the money? What? Why, I sold an etching. Yes, that's right. I sold an etching. Is that so? And to who? Why, I... I don't remember the name. A man... You'd better think hard, Struthers. If you really sold one of your etchings and a man paid you off in counterfeit bills, then he's the man we want. Otherwise... But, Inspector, I didn't know him. He... All right, Struthers, stop stalling and come clean. Who are the other members of the gang? 
I... I don't know. I've told you. You don't know anything, then? No, sir. And you won't tell who gave you the money? I... I... No, sir. I demand to see a lawyer. Okay, Struthers. That stops me cold. It's your constitutional right to consult a lawyer. But in the meantime, I'm booking you on a charge of counterfeiting. Mike, come in here. Yes, Inspector? Lieutenant Flanagan, lock this man up. Yes, sir. Okay, come along, you. Okie dokie. I can go now, too, Inspector? You can go, Mr. Demipopoulos. Thank you. Okie dokie. And any time you policemen come by the Victory Luncheonette, don't forget to stop in Rabisa Strawberry Pie. Free of charge for you. Well, Inspector, now what? You seem to have nabbed a very reluctant witness. Yes, it doesn't do us much good to catch a passer of the paper. We've got to get the brains behind them, the distributors of the counterfeit money, or we're nowhere. There may be a dozen stooges like Struthers who are simply employed to pass the money. Yes, that's what I figured. Hmm, you told me it was being spread all over town. Do you keep a chart showing where counterfeit bills have turned up? I'll say we do, and it's quite elaborate. Want to see it? Yes, indeed. Holy cow! That sounds fascinating, Inspector. It's right over here on this wall. Let me turn this light on. Why, it's a map of the entire city. That's right. And those pins. I suppose each pin represents the location of a counterfeit bill? Exactly. You see, it's sometimes possible to deduce the general location of a counterfeiting headquarters from a chart like this by studying the progress of the fake bills. And in nearly all cases, the distributors have a natural tendency to radiate from a central point. That doesn't seem to be the case here. Unfortunately, no. The pins are pretty evenly distributed. And just too darn much to figure anything out. Pretty pattern, though. <laughs> it reminds me of a route for door-to-door -door salesmen. Yeah, well... A route? I wonder. Yes, and Inspector. It just struck me. There does seem to be something peculiar on that chart. Yeah? What? Well, of course, I don't know very much about crimes of this sort, but hasn't it been your experience that people who pass counterfeit money generally operate through stores? That's right, just like Struthers. Go to a store, buy something cheap, offer a bill and pocket the change. Yes, but these pins are mainly distributed through residential districts. Oh, my gosh! Why didn't I notice that? Hey, I think you're right, Anne. But I don't... Inspector, I noticed that these pins are different colors. Is that just random, or does it mean something? Yes, the day of the week. Blue for Monday, yellow for Tuesday, and so on. There's a notation at the bottom of the chart with all those details. Now that chart is even more interesting. You can see a pattern developing. Just listen. There's the red row of pins. That's Thursday. They run up one street, then they turn around at the park and run down the next street. With a few gaps, of course. But nevertheless... Great heavens! What, Annie? What's that strange look on your face? Yes, Anne. Just what is on your mind? The answer! I think I figured it out. And it explains not just one mystery, but two. Well, tell me. Of course, Inspector. But I need you to make a couple of phone calls. Phone calls? What? 
I'd like you to call the Green Valley Dairy to find out which bank handles their accounts. And we also need to have Mr. Weston come here to ask him a few vital questions, but particularly as to why he didn't want to report that he was robbed on his route. Annie, um, I don't get it. Don't you see, Sprightly? Those pins. They coincide perfectly with the collection dates of a milk driver's route. Milk routes are on a three-day-a-week schedule. Those blue pins stand for Monday. And if I'm not mistaken, this clue is going to mean a very blue Monday indeed for a certain gentleman. Yes, Inspector, that's correct. Central Bank and Trust does handle the Green Valley Dairy account. Checking, payroll, preparation of the money pouches for the driver's routes, but, um, I'm afraid I don't understand. You'll understand in a few moments, Mr. Thomas, as soon as Mr. Weston arrives. But before he gets here, I have an important question. Who prepares those route pouches? I do. You personally? That's right. No one else is permitted to touch them. Until after they leave your hands. Then they go to the individual milkman? Yes, that's right. But what... In here, mister. Hello, I'm Paul Weston. Did someone here ask me to come here? Yes, I'm Inspector Collins. Please take a seat. I believe you know Miss Rogers... I'm not sure if you know Miss Poole. And this is Mr. Thomas, the head cashier of Central Bank and Trust. Hello, everyone. Good to see you again, Mr. Weston. Nice to meet you. Hello. Uh, um, I don't know why I was asked to come to police headquarters. Mr. Weston, the inspector would like to know why you didn't report having been attacked and robbed earlier this morning. Uh, why, this is, I... Before we go any farther, let me tell you, I believe we have your assailant under lock and key. The inspector has a picture of him on his desk. We'd like you to identify him, and since we're fully acquainted with the facts of the case, I think you should. Inspector, would you please show him the picture? Well, Mr. Weston? Yes, that was a man. Yes, we thought so. You see, Inspector, you do have a solid charge against Mr. Struthers after all, but the charge should be assault and robbery. Not counterfeiting. Hmm, that makes sense. Now it's clear why he couldn't tell where he got the money. Yes, quite clear. But, Annie, if he got the money from Mr. Weston, then it must have been Weston who was distributing. Yes, I'm afraid so. And since Mr. Weston is so reluctant to tell why he didn't report having been attacked, perhaps I should explain for him. Miss Rogers, please. Isn't it true, Weston, that you served a prison term some years ago? Uh, uh, yes, it's, it's true. Yes, the inspector got that information from the police files while we were waiting for you. And the charge was? Since you already know, I'm not sure why you're asking, but I'll answer your question. It was for forgery. It was during the Depression. I was out of work and I was looking for a job. Well, one thing led to another and I... I got tangled up with a gang that was making phony stock certificates. Yes, Weston. And obviously that's not a far cry from manufacturing phony money. Phony money? No, sir. I've never had anything to do with counterfeiting. 
Honest, Inspector. I've been on the straight and narrow ever since I got out. I swear I didn't. Nice work, Inspector. Miss Rogers, congratulations. You've saved the public and the banking profession a lot of headaches. Put this criminal behind bars where he belongs. I understand, Mr. Thomas. But there's still a little point I'd like to clear up before I write my story. We're all agreed, I think, on the basic facts of the case. Mr. Weston was distributing the fake currency along his milk route. So when Struthers stole his money, he stole a pouch full of counterfeit bills that were found on his person. Exactly. That's it, Anne. Right, Sugar Plum. But one thing more. Yes, Anne? Weston never reported the robbery to the company he works for. Why not? And where did he get the money to conceal the theft? I, I couldn't tell them, Miss Rogers. They didn't know I had a criminal record. They might have fired me if they'd found out. So I took my own money and I made up the amount that had been stolen from me, rather than call the police and risk exposure. Yes, yes, all very touching, but I fear I must be running along now. No, don't go, Mr. Thomas. The question I am about to ask concerns you deeply. Mr. Weston, if I recall correctly, you had not yet started collecting on your milk route when you were robbed. Why, why no, Miss Rogers. It was way too early. First, I distribute the milk. Then later in the morning, on the way back to the dairy, I make my collections. Exactly. Then you had not yet had any opportunity to open the pouch of money from the bank. Why, no, that's right. In other words, it was still sealed? I Inspector, it's getting very late. Wait, Anne, sealed? Those pouches are sealed? Are you sure? Positive. In fact, I asked Mr. Weston purely for corroboration. I questioned Struthers, and he admitted the pouch was sealed when he stole it. He will testify that he himself broke the wax seal with the imprint of Central Bank and Trust. Then that means... But Annie, in that case... It means Mr. Weston never laid eyes on the counterfeit money. Those fake bills were planted in the sealed pouch by none other than our sanctimonious bank cashier friend, Mr. Thomas. You, you, this is preposterous. You can't prove a thing. It's no use, Mr. Thomas. There are dozens of ways to prove those pouches leave the bank sealed. It was a very clever scheme. A very clever way of easing counterfeit money into the hands of the public. There was apparently no way of ever tracing the money back to you. In case of slip-up, you could always pretend, just as you pretended this afternoon, that it was the milkman who was passing the bills. But the possibility of a counter-theft was too remote to guard against, wasn't it? So, once again, the old saying proves itself. It takes a thief to catch a thief. <laughs> You're crazy. You, 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 don't, you don't know. I guess I should now warn you that anything you say may be used against you. But I will also promise you this will go easier if you give us the names of your buddies in this counterfeiting racket. So just stand up and come along with me. We've got a little talking to do. Well, I'll be darned. Who'd have thunk it? Thanks, Miss Rogers. I can't tell you how much I appreciate. Don't mention it, Weston. You just go and trot back to work. And, by the way... I think we can promise you that your employer will have no reason to hear about you-know-what. <laughs> Definitely. Gee, thanks. I always knew you were the top of the bottle, Miss Rogers. But now I know you're even more than that. You're gosh. 
You're grade A, homogenized and double enriched with vitamins. <laughs> Hello, everybody. On behalf of the cast and crew of Hot Copy Radio Theater, we're going to take a brief moment to wish all of our listeners a very Merry Christmas. We also want to express our gratitude for the fact that the size of our audience has grown with every episode. Yes, it's just incredible. Thank you, everyone, for giving us your ears. And in return, we are going to give you a small gift of our own. Please enjoy the following short essay by Charles Dickens with some excellent advice in regard to the celebration of Christmas. Who can be insensible to the outpourings of good feeling and the honest interchange of affectionate attachment which abound at this season of the year? There seems a magic in the very name of Christmas. Petty jealousies and discords are forgotten. Social feelings are awakened. Kindly hearts that have yearned towards each other but have been withheld by false notions of pride and self-dignity are again reunited, and all is kindness and benevolence. Do not select the merriest of days for your doleful recollections, but draw your chair near the blazing fire, fill your glass, and send round the song. And if your room is smaller than it was a dozen years ago, or if your glass is filled with punch instead of sparkling wine, put a good face on the matter, drink it, and fill another, and sing the old songs that you used to sing, and thank God that it's no worse. Thank you for tuning in to Hot Copy Radio Theater. We truly hope that you enjoyed our presentation of Illegal Tender, a lost episode of the radio audio drama Hot Copy, originally broadcast on Sunday, April 9th, 1944. Our cast on this episode featured Rhonda Sigler Ware as Ann Rogers, Samantha Thompson as Sprightly Poole, Christian Newhouse as Inspector Collins, Jerry Kokich as Roger Thomas and also Lieutenant Flanagan, Stephen Fisher as Paul Weston, Dan Ware as John Struthers, Alyssa Petrie as Miss Hendricks, Glenn Haskell as George Demipopoulos, and yours truly, Logan Smith as your announcer. This episode was adapted from the original script written by Nelson S. Bond. All sound effects are from freesound.org. Hot Copy Radio Theater is produced and edited under the direction of Jim Goodluck. Now, if you like this show, please take a moment of your time and go to Apple Podcasts, also known as iTunes, then give a five-star rating and review for Hot Copy Radio Theater. And, if your favorite streaming service carries this show and allows you to give a rating, 
please be sure to rate us on there also. Finally, if you would like to contact any of the voice actors from this episode, or if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions in regard to this show, please send an email to hotcopyradiotheater at gmail.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter as at hotcopyradio. In addition, we have a Facebook page where you can make comments and give feedback. We invite you to tune in again on the 10th of each month for another thrilling presentation of Hot Copy Radio Theater. But, until next month, we have a small suggestion for you. If you want to shorten winter, prolong Christmas, <laughs> 